morning. It's Madame Sesostris. I'm sure you know me, I'm quite famous. <laughs> I did attend a seance recently at the Poxley Warners. Perhaps they told you about it. It uh, didn't go as expected. But um, that depends upon the client, doesn't it? I believe their little problem has uh, not been resolved. And uh, the spirit that I banished has reappeared. <laughs> That's what non-payment can do. Don't mess with the gypsies. Um, I'm just joking. But I have my um, Sesostris outfit on. I'm channeling Madame Sesostris this morning. But um, I shall lapse and channel other spirits. I imagine Donna Emerald will be in and out. Donna Emerald is mystic, you know. <laughs> it's a new career, but she's a natural. May I introduce Madame Sesostris? Well, thank you, Don E. Really appreciate it. Um, she doesn't do very interesting um, introductions, but I'm I'm interesting, so that's the main thing, isn't it? And uh, I have been studying as per usual, although I have mystic insight into everything. Being a mystic cult leader. Um, I do like to read <laughs> and I do like to see what people are saying out there. So this morning's reading, right, was all about snakes, snaky things and uh, flirty sevens. OK, and um, I, I did feel after the reading that I should probably throw a bit of salt over my shoulder because this dreadful man, Crowley, <laughs> Has a habit of turning up anytime sevens are mentioned. Um, and I'm afraid his name came up. And I find him a very licentious character personally. So I'm um, I'm not prudish. The Kukistanis didn't teach me to be prudish. And I never was a prudish woman because I'm so devilishly attractive that... Um, Everywhere I go, <laughs> I would have difficulty maintaining my prudishness. However, I would say that uh, I'm, I'm nowhere near as licentious as uh, the disgusting Mr. Crowley. And he went insane as a result of uh, some of his lack of boundaries issues, shall we say. So uh, he was very fond of septograms. So what are septograms? Sept is seven, isn't it? So um, the septogram came up this morning in my reading and uh, it was a Kabbalistic system. And uh, I have been learning about interplanetary things in relation to spiritual versus um, material plane. And uh, from different angles, the Kukustanis uh, just transmitted it to me um, telepathically so i do understand these things but a lot of the terminology and books and everything i don't really get because my my level of understanding is just deeper automatically you see i have the inside knowledge and anything i don't know they put in the cabinet in the bedroom in the morning so they delivered some reading this morning and i think 
Mr. Crowley may have been in my wardrobe last night because the septogram turned up. And um, there was a lot of talk in the materials that were transmitted to me about the whore of Babylon. Uh, and he's very fond of the whores, is uh, Crowley, even though he's passed over to the other side. Thank goodness we don't have to deal with him on this side anymore. He's still with the whores and the obsession with the whores. So he can have his whores, no problem. Uh, but we shall stick to Babel of a uh, nicer type. And... Um, I was reading about the city of Babel, and if you remember yesterday, we were talking about the city of Babel. And uh, Babylon was a kingdom, wasn't it? And it dates from, oh, a long time ago, even before the Kokostanis were well established as a kingdom um, in their own right. They're a mystical kingdom. They're a little bit hard to find on the map, but they're out there. And, um, <laughs> you know, I know who they are, but I, I don't usually transmit that to other people unless they're higher initiates, you know, in the order of the heart. And you have to be all heart to be that. So, so, um, the septogram, yes. Um, and the whole of Babylon. And uh, we'll leave that aside. And I've put some lemon balm in my, um, wardrobes so uh, mr crowley i believe hates the smell of anything fresh uh, he likes musty uh basementy kind of um foul odors whereas although i'm a mystic and i'm very into fumes from the underworld uh, i do like the fresher fumes yes so uh we were looking at the idea of um babel and uh, we look at the idea of it as a kingdom today. And I also want to look at the idea of snakes and the underworld, yes. Um, and uh, the city of Babel, right, uh, that we're reading about, it had to do with planetary things um, in the septogram diagram that uh, Mr. Crowley was using uh, to talk about the horror of Babylon. But, um, in terms of people, uh, it's very important in the history of the Kabbalah generally. And this history goes right back to the Babylonians and the Assyrians who ruled over Babylonia at a, a later stage. And it goes back to Byzantium. And uh, one of my favorite poets who I hang around with a lot, you may have noticed that I'm um, Hiberno, Irish, perhaps the red nose gave it away a little bit. Uh, I have been at the Ischgebehe over Ostra, Easter, and uh, it is the water of life. So the more you drink, the merrier, but unfortunately it does make one's nose a little red. And uh, Mr. Yates was in, and he is a delight. He's terribly handsome. And uh, he spouted poetry all night. Uh, and. Um, He's very fond of going to Byzantium, uh, Mr. Yates. 
and uh, he's a fount or a font of knowledge, I must say as well. And it was a delightful evening, and uh, he didn't drink too much of the Ishkebehe. He did leave some for me, so we had a wonderful ostrich, and uh, he's a dreadful flirt, <laughs> but I do like him. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we had a little conversation and uh, did a little bit of babbling and uh, we talked about virgins and whores but of course uh, he speaks in a much more civilized way than Mr Crowley and he's terribly knowledgeable. So uh, we spoke of things such as the city of Athens and uh, he's very fond of Byzantium but he's also very fond of Athens and if I share the screen with you now for a moment. We'll be able to see this. Uh, you should be able to see this building I want to show you. The Erechtheon. And this is uh, Athena's building at the uh, top of the Acropolis. And the reason I wanted to show you this, this is from a delightful game called Assassin's Creed. And um, uh, Mr. Yates and uh, several acquaintances are <laughs> quite fond of playing games. And this is one of the favorite games. Uh, allow me to share. Not as good with the modern technology as Miss Emerald, I have to admit, but um, I shall do my best. Now, it's not at the correct point in the video, but the whole video gives you a wonderful little tour. So you might enjoy that. I'll just stop the screen again because I, I do like looking at myself. Um, so that gives you a nice little tour of Athens and the Erechtheum, which is Athena's building on the top of the Acropolis, which is the beautiful hill in Athens. And um, that video from uh, the game brings it to life again. And um, you also get to bump people off in that game if you fancy doing that. <laughs> so it's, it's all a lot of fun. Uh, so um, we get to see. Athena's temple, and of course, uh, Athens is Athena's city <laughs> because people prefer her to Poseidon. <laughs> Poseidon, you know, he had water, but uh, Athena had a lot of other qualities that people admired, and uh, she wasn't as whorish as some of the gossip that went about uh, would suggest. She was, in fact, very virginal, which is interesting in terms of what we were talking about, uh, about uh, the tree of life, um, the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden, and the Virgin Mary, and Athena, and um, Ishtar, and a lot of pagan goddesses, right? And the difference between their whorish qualities and their virginal qualities, which is very interesting in terms of the tree of life and the whole snakiness of Athena's cult. And as Madame S, I adore snakes. I adore snakes. So um, 
I need to talk for a moment about what's under the Oretheum. And Athena's temple has a sacred snake underneath. Some uh, said that it was several snakes, but there was one particular snake in a casket that was brought to Athena by her attendants because um, it was an Orphic cult, of course, and like our cult, like the Order of the Heart. But uh, I don't have a snake, unfortunately. I do have an imaginary snake. And uh, there is, I did help Donna Emerald channel a book and helped write a chemical wedding section of her QU book, uh, available now on Etsy at Donna Emerald Art at a very reasonable price. Uh, but the chemical wedding section of the book, um, doesn't actually have a snake in it, but there is a snake turned up that would have been there at the wedding, if you get my meaning. <laughs> and uh, the snake does turn up at pivotal moments in mythology. Uh, you will find the snake in the Garden of Eden, and I'm afraid sex rears its ugly head as well. However, snakes are delightful creatures, and Athena loves snakes. And um, her priestesses would have brought a snake in a little casket down to her temple uh, so that they can perform their rituals involving the snake. Now, Athens, being a gossipy old town like most towns are, um, there was a little rumor put about about uh, Athena that, like many a goddess, she got herself in the family way <laughs> and that this snake was somehow involved in this. Uh, however, others said it wasn't true, that she remained virginal, etc., etc. So there's all that. But she was terribly fond of the snake, and the snake is buried under the erect dam. So, um, and guarded by some of her maids who are big old fakes because um, the originals who I did get to visit because I like to drop in on them from time to time are at the British Museum and um, Lord Elgin, who was a pig, I have to say. <laughs> but he did like art, so, you know. Um, he had whipped... Uh, one of those for his garden. <laughs> you know, you don't just whip um, one of the Vestal Virgins from Athena's little mystic grotto, do you? But he did. <laughs> no respect for the goddess. But he did respect art, and he did think it would look rather good in the garden, and it did. It did look good in his garden, I have to say. But it's uh, now in the British Museum, and um, they ain't never giving it back. <laughs> but uh, they do have the fakes in the erectium, and they look rather good. So, um, so it all worked out okay. Uh, however, where does the Virgin Mary come into this? Well... The Virgin Mary, if we are to believe the story, had a, such an aversion to anything snakish um, beguiling her that um, she was afraid of the snake coming out of the basket and avoided snakes at all cost and had a virgin birth. But the real reason for that, if we um, look at the pearl of wisdom there, has a lot to do with um, a region between the divine and the mundane that's um, 
called the abyss to some. And you cannot cross this region because it's a region between the sublime, the unknowable, and the material. And in order for uh, the great mother goddess, the Bina, if you like, or the Amma, um, the matronly mother, to stay on the right side of the sublime, but yet satisfy the criteria of manifesting everything onto a physical plane, you've got to do some pretty fancy dancing, haven't you? <laughs> because you don't want to copulating with the human. She's divine, isn't she? So uh, it's problematical, you know. And um, so the way to solve the problem is to say, well, yes, she was impregnated, but the sun did it. The sun in the sky did it. Uh, the origin of uh, the Godhead did it magically. You can always drag magic into things, can't you? So it's wonderful. So it's like getting, you know, your septogram out. Get a bit of magic out, get the sevens out, and then the woman doesn't have to come across as the whore of Babylon. And there's no guilt attached at all, because who got her pregnant? The Holy Spirit did. The sun. <laughs> and when you look at um, depictions of uh, the... Uh, Virgin Mary being told she's pregnant. Who tells her? Well, a little ray of sunshine comes along and tells her, doesn't he? It's very obvious. <laughs> because you don't want her like uh, some whore, tempting man uh, at the base of a tree um, by, you know, petting the snake. <laughs> Do you? No, you can't have that for the divine. The divine is above earthly pleasures, isn't it? So, hence the tap dance. So, this is why um, I was feeling frisky this morning. <laughs> All this talk of, you know, Mr. Crowley makes people rather frisky like that. Uh, so, I just went the intellectual route with it and read about it a little bit. And that's where I ended up. And uh, so Mr. Crowley uh, tried to get at me with his nasty little kundalini energies, but I didn't go for it. I shan't tangle with Mr. Crowley. He shall have to find himself some other hole of Babylon to play with because I'm not up for a little bit of frisky morning action with the Crowleys of the world. I prefer to read in bed of the morning. Thank you very much. That was the third meeting of the Order of the Heart. I'll hand you back to the more mundane Miss Emerald.